Well, good afternoon. Thank you once again for joining me for Business, The Law and You. Julian Campbell here. We've got another interesting show lined up for you this week. A bit later in the programme, we'll have a look at uh, some of our Harvard Business Review tips. One of them is uh, develop new productivity habits that will stick. It's important sometimes that we make things happen, isn't it? We're also going to have a chat with uh, Christina with our innovation. We're going to be looking at uh, dealing with waste and is certainly in the news at the moment. But right now we're going to have our monthly chat with uh, Tony Vidray from AV Chartered Accountants. Good afternoon, Tony. Hello, Julian. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Thanks for joining us. And... Uh, well, the first thing we're going to talk about is uh, that uh, amnesty that's been announced. Yeah, look, this is a really important one, and it's um, it's quite interesting. And it's you can see the there's a um, there's a little bit of a backstory behind um, you know non-payment of superannuation. We've discussed it on your on your program before. Where there's each year there's something like about almost just under three billion dollars a year in unpaid superannuation, and it's something that affects a lot of people you know directly. That you've got. Um, um, your employer that is supposed to be setting aside um, contributions for you at the nine and a half percent, and um, when they start experiencing some cash flow problems or some difficulties, that's one of the first things that um, stops getting um, paid. And um, as I say, it's got huge ramifications for everyone throughout the community, and and so the government are, get, are getting quite serious on 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 this and. Part of what's coming in next month, which we've spoken about, which is single-touch payroll, which you can tell that one day in the future that, you know, when employers pay their, their staff the net wage, um, I'm, we're predicting that you'll be paying the tax office, the PAYG withheld at the same time, and you'll be paying the superannuation um, at the same time. So they're really working towards getting this, this um, stamped out. So... What um, the Honourable Kelly O'Dwyer has uh, announced on behalf of the government is an amnesty for 12 months for those employers who know that they haven't paid their, their staff's um, superannuation and they're giving them an opportunity to bring it up to date without the uh, the penalties. Now, um, the interest will still apply, which, which um, everyone in the industry is saying... Um, is too high, and it's a bit of a an ironic thing that um, you know they're still charging 10% interest on this. So it's a pretty good return on your on your money if you can get your employer eventually um, pay. To pay the money into a super fund. Because had 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 your employer paid it correctly in the first time, there's no way in the world that you that you know you'd be making 10% after mm. tax. Mm in your super fund monies. But anyway, that's what the legislation says. And um, the government extract this out of the employer, um, send it off to the super fund to the credit of the uh, employees um, and say, yeah, this 12-month amnesty is a, is a really important thing. So, And it's look, it's quite clever because at the end of the day, once they start cracking down on employers that don't pay their superannuation, they can easily point and say, well, we gave you a 12-month amnesty and you did nothing about it. Um, so, um, so we are going to hit you with these significant penalties for not uh, for not paying your staff super. Mm. And uh, since we last had the uh, a chat, we've had a budget um, middle income offset of uh, five hundred and thirty dollars per annum. Yeah, that, and that's that's an interesting one. What I wanted to uh, mention about this is that pretty much every report that I heard on the radio or on the television um, got this particular one wrong. They actually announced it as a $530 refund. It's not a refund, it's a tax offset. And a tax offset essentially means that you have to be um, liable to pay tax first uh, before you can reduce it by this $530. So it is not... It's not a refund, and I think it was giving people um, the wrong impression that, that money was going to be handed out. It's just an offset against any sort of income tax um, that, you're, um, that you're owed. So it, it's going to come in from uh, uh, 1st of July um, next month, 
Mm-hmm. And, and it applies for the for the June 19 year, and um, it's got a three-year lifespan, 19, 20, and 21, to four years. 19, 20, 21, 22, four years. So it's, again, you know, this Liberal government, you can see they're trying to look after their sweetening things for an election. Um, they're handing out the lollies in the, in, in the um, yard, please, in the schoolyard, school please vote for me. So they, they, they're trying to look after that sort of middle income belt um, in Australia to, um, to sweep things for a, an upcoming election. However, uh, they're obviously focusing on the cash uh, uh, area where people do take a little bit of cash out of their business. Um, no deductions for wages paid in cash. Yeah, that's a really interesting one, and, and that comes in from the 1st of July 19, and it's actually going to coincide going back to this single-touch um, payroll. So by the 1st of July 19, every um, business that is paying wages um, will be reporting those wages in live time to the, to the ATO. And essentially to synchronise with those new rules that are coming in, the, the tax office and the government are essentially saying, well, look, unless you're paying people through an, a proper payroll system and you're deducting tax as you're supposed to and everything's, you know, you're giving them a superannuation choice form and a fair work statement, all that sort of stuff, you will not get a tax deduction for anything that you... Um, pay outside of that system. So that will catch um, trying to pay people, um, you know, your employees in cash and trying to claim a tax deduction for it. It even catches um, us out as an industry, the accountants out that want to, we want to try and backdate um, journal entries to try and record, um, you know, bonuses or, you know, director fee or secretarial fees, all these sort of things, all the shenanigans um, that went on after the event. It's going to make people um, a lot more honest um, and a lot more accountable and you know, having to do things in real time, in lifetime, rather than having to um, to backdate things. Um, as part of this initiative as well, um, they're also going to deny tax deductions for payments that you make to contractors. Now, this is going to really hurt payments that you make to contractors where that contractor has not provided an ABN. Mm. Now, the rules that have been in place since the 1st of July 2000 when the GST came in was that if you, you employ a contractor to do whatever for you, they are supposed to put an ABN on the tax invoice. And if they don't have an ABN on that tax invoice, you as the payer are obliged to deduct tax at the highest marginal rate, which bounces around from 45% to 47%. Now, a lot of um, businesses fail to do this. Well, they're turning around saying, well, if we see that you're paying these people and they don't have an ABN, we are going to knock back um, the, um, the, the, the payments that you've made to this contractor. Mm. Mm. And while we're talking cash, uh, the, uh, the limit on the amount of cash you can accept in a business. Yeah, and this is an interesting one because, um, and again, I kind of understand the, the background behind it, but it's going to be very interesting to see how they actually enforce it, and it's an economy-wide cash payment limit. So from the 1st of July 19, if you're a business, you are going to be prohibited from receiving more than $10,000 in cash for the services or the goods that you provide. Now, I kind of shake my head at that and thinking there's not a lot of businesses that, you know, it's one of those bird in the hand type scenarios. Mm. If someone offers you um, payment and you turn around and say, no, no, you know, we can't accept it. Now, I kind of can understand it at the at some of the larger organisations and say we're talking, you know, a car yard and, and someone wants to buy a car for $15,000 and they want to pay in cash. In, in cash for it with a suitcase of cash. You, well, right now, you can they, those businesses can accept that. Um, but come the 1st of July 19, they're not going to be able to um, accept that in cash. So, you know, again, we're sort of being herded like sheep to use electronic banking and, and using all sorts of means that um, the lovely big brother at the tax office and the government can actually um, trace. track through. Yeah, they trace all that through yeah. through track and through, uh, through monitoring. So, yeah. 
it is going to be interesting to see how they're going to enforce that for um, smaller businesses. And we've talked about the uh, small business asset write-off of uh, $20,000, less than $20,000, and yes. uh, it's been extended. It's been extended again. So, yeah, um, yeah so the good news is, and, and again, um, what's interesting with this is that the, the definitions of a, of a small business keeps um, changing every year as well um, with the government's changes in the, in the tax rate. So a small business, an SBE, a small business enterprise, used to be um, defined as a, a business that turn, whose annual turnover was under $1 million. That $1 million became $2 million. $2 million became um, 10 And this year... It's now $25 million. Right. So it's a very generous um, definition of a small business. So if you're turning over less than $25 million, which covers, I'd say, pretty much um, just about every, every um, organisation in Newcastle and the, and the Hunter, unless you're a multinational, um, it means that, um, yes, anything that you acquire um, where the cost of it is less than $20,000, you are able to, uh, to write it off um, immediately. Mm, fantastic. Well, thanks for your time again, Tony. We'll have a chat. In the new year after tax time. Well, next next month, I how about we talk about all the new things that came, that um, come in or came in that apply right. for the June eighteen financial year. Sounds great. Thank you very much. Wonderful. Have Always a good bye bye. Thanks, Julian. Tony Vidray there with just recap on some of those budget highlights. Uh, of course, we are getting close to the end of the financial year. Chat on innovation with Christina. We're going to talk about uh, innovation as it relates to waste products because there's a lot of talk about waste at the moment, isn't there? Yeah, there certainly is. And, and it, it, it was kicked off for me. I was in Melbourne um, earlier this week um, to give a talk and, and figure out a couple of things about an event down there. Um, and I was in Fed Square and there's this huge wave that's been made out of um, 1,500 kilos... Of, no, sorry, 1,500, yeah, kilograms of waste. Um, which is like an awful lot of, of mm. waste product. And, and you kind of go, well, where did that come from? But here's the thing. 1,500 kilograms of plastic waste enters Australia's oceans every hour. And you kind of go, I thought we knew better than that. And this is this is in Australia. So we're not even in the high-polluting sea areas um, like some of the other islands are. So it's absolutely devastating. So it's been put together in anticipation of World Oceans Day. Um, and when you see something like that, confronting you physically in the face about how much wastage just goes into the sea every hour, um, it's quite frightening. And that led me to, to think about um, the move at the moment for all the major supermarkets to eliminate plastic, and some of them are going even further and they're eliminating food waste and they're eliminating the individual plastic that, that some of the, um, the food packages come mm, in. So, mm. you know, I mean, we are totally overpackaged in things like that. So leading into, leading into that, there's... Um, actually a shop uh, that has built their whole structure um, around not having any um, packaging whatsoever. So you walk into the store with your own um, vessels, so whether they're glass jars or, or, you know, heaven forbid, plastic jars, because we still have them and we still should be reusing them and getting the most out of them as we possibly can. But you walk into the store and anything that you buy from this store, you take away in your own container. So there's movements like this store is actually in um, in Singapore, mm. but I think it's a movement that's going to take off. Some stores are doing it in small in small doses. We've got a couple of stores around um, that sell food products now, and, and you scoop it into brown paper bags, you know. So mm. there's or you take you can take your own refillable containers in. But it's kind of a movement that's happening, um, minim, minimizing plastics, minimizing waste products. 
Uh, and, you know, there's been some feedback going, oh, well, the government should do more and, and these, you know, organisations should do more. But as you and I discussed earlier, it's up to each of us as individuals. We, we all have voting power with, our, with the money that we spend um, and with where we do our shopping and, and the kind of product that we buy. Sure. But that minimalism also led me into, um, into some research this week about, because there's a whole lot of talk around tiny houses and minimalising what we need and, you know, we've just become such a wasteful society. There's a, there's a, um, a, a group of, of pods being built and they're called O-pods and they're 100 square foot homes and they're built within concrete water pipes. Uh, oh. And they're, they're building whole... Now, 100 square feet might not seem a lot, but if you put it this way, um, somebody mentioned to me that they're, that they're twice the size of living spaces that low-income Hong Kong residents actually have as their abode. It, it then becomes quite big. Uh, but they're, they're these O-pods, and they stack on each other. They're made out of concrete water pipes, which means we're reusing, we're not, we're not getting rid of stuff. Um, and they stack on top of each other. And that led me to find out about some um, whole hotel areas that are now being built from shipping containers. Yeah. Uh, so reusing the shipping containers, the whole idea of the tiny homes, everything in the shipping containers is also recycled, um, made from recycled timbers, you know, man-made, man-made products kind of don't even get a look in. But there's this movement happening around minimalism, let's not waste Let's not be over-consumers anymore. We need to change the way we're living and we need to respect the planet. And certainly uh, there's a lot of homes that are being built out of containers. And when you sort of think about it, you think you picture the container, but when they've finished, you really don't see the container. It's, uh, it's quite a good design feat. That's right. And even with these O-pods, some people are saying that you could actually have a stack of them and one could be your living room and one could be, you know, mm. um, uh, you know the kitchen couple of them could be the bedrooms, that sort of thing. So you can actually create that, and what we're still doing is, is reusing material. Which And the reason that we're talking about this on a business program is it's really important for businesses to start thinking about where they can reduce um, yes, their impact, their footprint. Yeah, their waste. Mm. Where, do you, where do you reduce waste? What, what kind of processes do you set up? I mean, I know stores that still don't have any recycling um, capability, yes. and, and that kind of boggles the mind. Mm. Okay. Well, thanks very much for your time. We'll have another chat on innovation next week. We will. I'll look forward to it, Julian. Have a great week. You too. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Christina there with, yeah, there is a, a lot of talk on waste uh, and waste products, and certainly there are moves towards minimising it, but why don't we reuse some of it? That's a great idea. Time for a couple of our Harvard Business Review tips. first one is uh, develop new productivity habits that will stick. Productivity systems are the behaviours we repeat consistently and methodically to get more done. People often change their systems in order to improve productivity, but find themselves reverting back to old habits. It's hard to change your productivity system without modifying your environment, since previous behaviours may have been mapped to certain spaces. And even when new behaviours make sense, it's easy to remain convinced that the old habits are more effective. However, you can change the way you think about your routine. Start by identifying parts of your daily routine, such as arriving at the office, that happens with relative consistency, and then use them as cues for new behaviours. When I arrive at the office, I will let my task list dictate the morning's priorities instead of checking email like I used to. 
Just don't overthink it. The whole point to create new habits that become automatic. And we do get caught into habits sometimes, don't we? The other one, maintain your entrepreneurial passion by being flexible. Most of us think of entrepreneurs as passionate professionals who have a fire in their belly. But it's hard to maintain that level of dedication no matter how passionate you are and research has shown that entrepreneurs' enthusiasm for their projects can fade over time. One way to prevent this to avoid sticking to avoid sticking to a plan, strictly adhering to your business plan is a recipe for disengagement. You need to be flexible and agile as you learn more about your product, your customers and the market. This isn't just good for your business, it keeps you excited about your project as you continue to involve it. By changing and redefining your ideas, you can make a significant progress and build your confidence. Rather than feeling misunderstood by the outside world, you will gain a sense of control over events as they unfold, which will counter any decrease in passion over time. So it's important to be a little bit passionate about your business and create results. Well, thank you for being with me for the last half hour. I hope you've enjoyed the program. We've had a quick look at uh, the budget highlights from Tony Vidray. In a moment, Jane Klein will be back with you with more of your easy listening favourites. Next week, we're going to talk about reference checking with Craig McGregor from the Hunter Recruitment Group. We'll have a minute on innovation with Christina and some more business and legal news and views that might affect your business. I'd love your company again for business, the law and you at the same time next week. Until then, have an exciting and prosperous week. And as Alexander Graham Bell once said, before anything else, preparation is the key to success.